With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lord, we thank you for allowing us in your presence this evening. Father, tonight I would like to speak to you regarding the word bow, your word bow, and your word tent. And I'd like to talk about one of the greatest women in the Bible that very seldom gets talked about in this manner. Her name is Rebecca, and I'd like to talk on something that's related to her that we should all be greatly thankful for at this time, and people might see Rebecca in a whole new light when they begin to understand what she did for us. And tonight I would also like to just remind the people how important this time is, because we are in a time when the world leaders are about to bring us to war and destruction, <clears throat> we must have a revival. We must turn to you because we as a people have no ability to overcome these things. And the people do not understand, Lord, that we're all in the hour of trial. Every one of us is on trial before you. And very seldom or very little do we see people understanding that they must present their case to you at this time. Lord, they're presenting cases of everybody else to you. But, Lord, they're not looking at their own case. And, Lord, we must remove the plank from our own eyes before we look at others. Dear Lord, we must pray and understand, dear Lord, that you warned us in Malachi 4 that this is the time of the repair of the breach. And if we are not willing people seriously working on that instead of doing our own will, then we're not in your will. And dear Lord, we're in serious jeopardy of being left out of the kingdom. It doesn't matter what we have done. It matters what we are doing now. Because you told us in Joel 2.32 that all who call upon your name shall be delivered in this day. But we fail to see in Revelation 19.11-13 that the name that we must understand. Written upon you, Lord, as King of Kings. Lord, we pray that they'd understand that the name that the people do not know as revealed in Revelation 19, 11 to 13 is the word. Lord, it's the name, the greatest of all, because people do not realize that those of the world cannot utter your word. As it says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 4 by Paul. And Lord, you also told us that the spirit of truth cannot enter those into the world of the world who are not set apart by truth which you identified in John 17:17 17, 17 as being your word and further in John 14:23 to 24 no matter what the people say what the people proclaim dear lord you said that if they will not hear your words the words of god that you were sent into the world to make known and bear witness to then they do not love you. And Lord, they're going to come back and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we call upon your name? Meaning that we loved you so much 
and you're going to say, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You didn't love me. You wouldn't hear my words. He told us that the entrance of your words would mark the beginning of the day of the Lord. Zechariah 14.7 said the day of the Lord would begin with the entrance of light. And you identify, dear Lord, that we're going to be judged by your words that are light, as it says in 12. Uh, John 12, 48, we're going to be judged by your words. And Psalms 119, 130 tells us that it is the entrance of your words that gives light and gives understanding to the simple. And Lord, you are the word. But Lord, you came speaking the words of God. And you tried to get us to make known and understand these things. But we would not do it. By the spirit of mercy, great mercy. People have gone to paradise up until this time. But Lord, you've promised us and warned us and counseled us that there's a time coming. It's a famine of the word. It's a time when the light, you, leave the world. You are the only one that can give us authority to receive the words, but you warned us in Song, or Proverbs 1, 20 to 33, that if we will reject your words and not receive it, not turn to you to get the Spirit poured out on us to cause us to understand your words. Then, dear Lord, you said in that time, the appointed time of God, when there's a famine of the word that's mentioned in Amos 8, 11 to 14, Revelation 6, 5 to 6, you said, dear Lord, at that time in John 9, 4, 5, same. You said when you leave the world because you're ordered to by the Father, according to his appointed times for the, for the good that he desired to be carried out because he's given us every chance. There has to be a separation judgment. There has to be a winding down. He must act as God. He must judge. And dear Lord, we know at that time that the restrainer will leave the world as you mentioned to us in Revelation 8, 1 to 4. There'll be silence from heaven, Proverbs 1. 24 to 33 tells us that at that time you'll laugh at our calamities because we rejected your knowledge and we were naive and we walked about in naivety thinking we were rich, filled with the spirit and full of knowledge, full of wisdom. And we did not know the wisdom by which these words, I mean, we did not know the words of wisdom by which you spoke and made all things, have sustained all things, enabled all things and done all things. Dear Lord, it's the words of God that are the inheritance that causes us to become like a son of God, like a little God, which is a son of God in John 10, 34 to 36. Lord, I pray that they'll begin to understand this. John 8, 43 to 47, you said they can't understand your speech because they cannot discern your words, but yet they were sitting right in front of you and they were saying, how can it be that we don't understand you? But you told them, if they don't receive the words, the Father will not, they're not of the Father. Because the Father, God said, if they, in Deuteronomy 18, 19, if they reject these words, he will hold them in account. And I do not want to be held in account by the Father. So, Lord, we pray that the people will receive the message. Lord, let's talk now. I'd like to review your great teachings, your great events that you showed to us to enable us to learn. Lord, there was a time when we're in this time of, of Adar right now, which is a time of Purim, which is the time 
where we celebrate the great works of Mordecai and Esther and of you. Lord, it's interesting how you arranged everything in those days because, Lord, you told us that you will cause things to occur like you're doing at this time, dear Lord. You told us, if we will read Ezekiel 38 very carefully, we will see that you said, let the harlot do these things until the appointed time, and then at that time, you put a hook in her jaw and they'll come out and they'll do all the evil works. And when they do that, they judge themselves because we're judged by your words. And they're going to do words that are of the devil and not of you. Just like you told the people in John 8, 43 to 47, you told them their father's the devil. Because the people would pay attention. It was the people of Israel that did not intervene to keep you from the cross. And dear Lord, we have a thing here where you intervened. You helped and Mordecai and Esther did their work and they intervened. But there was a great statement that started this off. It's after Mordecai had overheard the two men in the in in the the, uh, the palace area. The uh, I think what were they called? They were called the uh, keepers of the guard, and they had these two guys, um, two of the king's eunuchs, Bigden and Teresh. Bigden is interesting. It's the name means gift of God or gift of fortune. And Teresh is a dove or desire to dry. And it says for some reason they became angry. And they were furious with the king and sought to lay hands on the king to kill him. Don't know why they were furious. But Mordecai, in, in, irregardless, they had the wrong attitude. They wanted to kill the people. They wanted to destroy them. They wanted to do these things. And they were destroying the king. And today. That's like people are. You know, they, they want to destroy everybody. They want to punish the enemy. They want to do all these kind of things. And you told them, vengeance is yours. In Hebrews 10, 24 to 31, we're to leave it to you. We are to walk in your words and, and go forth to try to save the people. Destruction is the last thing God wants. He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. He gives us a crown when we bring life to people, when we bring peace, when we bring the word of God enables them to come through these things. If we do not want that, we will not get the crown of life because we're not listening to the Lord and what the new covenant means because he's coming as a son of righteousness. In other words, he calls a son of righteousness, the light of the world that judges. And he's telling us that the, he's coming as a son of righteousness, not as a moon of red blood. You know, the, there's there's good meanings and bad meanings to both. But we have to understand what it means for us because we are required at this time to walk in a way of righteousness because it's those who make a sacrifice for the others for the glory of God that overcome this. And so we have to be careful of that. But these guys were like that. They're going to kill them. So what happened to them? They were uh, basically, it says that they were hung on a tree. Now, it's an interesting thing I've read in sages and so forth, the writings and studies, that in that time, what they did, like even Haman, he was fixing not to just um, put uh, Mordecai on the gallows, for example, or on, in this case, in the uh, um, uh, hang him on a tree. Uh, in that day, they impaled the people, impaled the people, which is very interesting because that's very similar 
to the people at this time because you see Prince Charles and the royal family, they relish in the fact that one of their ancestors was a guy that they called uh, Dracula. Basically, him and King Sigismund, who was the Holy Roman Emperor at his time, they would impale people on stakes. And Sigismund would even eat, and, and so would Dracula. They would eat in that place where they got all these people impaled on stakes. And if they came by and they saw somebody not working, they would do destruction, things like this, to, to be it as a sign to others. It's a horrible thing. But people do not understand what's about to happen when the famine of the word comes and the restrainer, the Lord himself, is removed. His spirit is removed from the world for a period of about 21 months. And the only prayers that it says in Revelation 8 that are heard are those of the saints. In other words, those who were set apart from the world by truth, which is the words of God, John 17, 17, which is a requirement of God in Joel 2, 12 to 20. You must be sanctified. You're sanctified by John 17, 17, which he tells you is by his words. You're washed clean by the words that he spoke to us, John 15, 3, Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. We don't want to believe this, but it's in the scriptures and we should obey it. So I'm just showing you that there's a likeness about what's about to happen to these, you know, the kind of rulers that are in the world today and they're coming forth. And when the restrainers remove the wickedness that they're going to do, people can't even imagine. They're already doing wickedness and secret stuff. They sodomize children, little boys, and men. You know, it's on record. Some of these leaders we've had as presidents and stuff like that. They should be arrested, but if, if people understood the admiralty law, they can't be because they are set apart under this fake divine law established by the Vatican for the elite that says they cannot be sued and they're above all our earthly laws. And so they can sodomize children and never be brought to court. And it's been happening. There's people as testified of Dick Cheney and them sodomizing children. Can you imagine this? Boys saying he did this to me. That's on record, and people ignore it. But this stuff is going to go wild because the restrainer is about to leave the earth for a period of about 21 months. You know how much damage can be done in 21 months? Well, the Lord's going to intervene, and he's going to bring plagues upon them, but he's going to first allow them to commit their sins because he promised the people if they will not turn to him in Revelation 18, 1-4 and come out from the world leaders, that are fornicating with this harlot, then what's going to happen? He says, you're going to share in their sins. In other words, these sins that these people have done, and, and it's testified to all the wickedness that these people have done, drank blood, sacrificed children, sodomized children, because when they sodomize them, they believe that that takes away their soul, their, their power of their soul, and adds it to their own. It's some kind of sick, satanic worship practice, the Masonic Lodge practice. You know, it's, it's so silly, the Masons, Masons, they start off while well, they do all these little good works. And then as you go up the ladder, they get more wicked, more wicked, more wicked, because it's all about, you know, despising other laws, but having all power to themselves and being able to be in a club that raises up to have power. And all those that join the merchant system and get eager for that merchant system will end up as part of this punishment if they don't come out, and if they don't set themselves apart from the world. Now, I want to focus on what happened here. I'm telling you about all the evil that's coming and so forth. But notice something that's told in um, 
Esther 3. I've talked about it in the last couple of weeks. And that is that Mordecai would not bow down or pay homage to Haman. You go from Esther 2 where Haman, excuse me, Mordecai saves the king from these two guys. They're going to kill him and, the, and then the king has him appealed or hung from a tree, however you want to take it. And then um, they go to Esther 3 and right away Haman's been put in place. It's like God is orchestrating all this to show us of this day because we're in the month of Adar, which is the ending of the winter. And God told us in Matthew 24, 20 to come out before the winter as he did also in Mark 13, 18. Because the greatest time of trouble is coming upon the earth and we have not obeyed him and will not hear him. So all these troubles are coming. And the prophecies that we're hearing all over the earth are just dynamic in the fact that they're going to bring all this evil upon the world. And you can see it. These people are totally evil. They're deceitful. The whole law system is hidden from the people. The judges and them will lie constantly until they're cornered. But God's going to cause all this to be uncovered. They don't have a choice. Every judge, every politician, every merchant are all going to be exposed because God says he's going to make all things known. There's nothing of any of us that's not going to be made known. And that's okay. If we've made sin that God sent, and if we will come out at this time, he will cause those sins to be washed away. We're washed clean by his words. John 15, 3, he will help us to bless the people who will forgive the others. Because at this time, God is looking for forgiveness, forgiveness of our enemies, forgiveness of all those things. All those that did things to me. I, that, anyway, I don't want to get into that, but there was a lot of things done to destroy me. and. I forgive them. You know, they threatened my life. They poisoned me. They did all these other kind of things. And people don't know about these things. But what I'm saying is I don't have any grudge against them. I want to see them come out. Can you imagine what these people at the world leadership could reveal if they came out and told the truth, how much God would anoint them and use them? I was in presence of the son of the heads of the, head of the night, the Templar. The secret group. But people think about the Templars as it's written in Wikipedia. That is not true. That's that is not the foundation of what the Templars are today. It's a very evil group. They're in charge of the the mobs in the world. They're in charge of the uh, training of terrorists and training of hitmen and all this kind of stuff. They're helping and assisting in the drug distribution all over the world with the Bush family. They work for the Bush family. They work for the Crown Trust. They report to them. They're they're heavy in a Masonic order. They got their rings. Uh, the leaders of them do uh, that. That you know, people that's in the Masonic order will understand that they're at the highest level. So they, you know, they claim to be worshiping God, but they're bringing forth this fake religion, the um, supposed um, no-eyed morality laws, which is not the Bible, not of God. It's a twisting of God. And I know I was sitting with these people and was in prophetic meetings where the sons were both the top two sons were spoken over, and God called them to do this work for him and said if you come out i'll have you go to your father's friends which is you know the crown trust and queen and and rothschild and all that but they wouldn't come out instead they joined them and they accepted the positions and they even uh they were christians at the time these two sons and they and i they had actually i've seen videos of them um holding healing services in south america and so forth and they gave all that became Orthodox Jews, which is turning away from Christ and turning into this no-eyed law because they loved the positions that they were raising up to, to be in very high position with the 
world order and go to the top secret meetings and all these other kind of things. So this is the bad part of what's going on. But uh, the thing is, this is bowing down and not, not obeying God. See, Mordecai would not bow because this was not a judgment decree from the king. This was a word that Haman tricked the king into saying, but he couldn't get a judgment decree issued. In other words, there was no decree issued from the king that the people had to bow down. It was just Haman's word. And Haman was an Agite, which I've explained. We could, we could go. So it's somebody that's basically out to, to replace the king. They wanted to have all the attention, all the position. They wanted to take what's not theirs and, and make that become so everybody bows down to them. There are people like that. They want to be bowed down to. So they take a job that's not theirs. It wasn't Haman's job to do that. But that's what Haman was. And there's all these kind of people at this time all over the world. People want to you know, you hear the constant thing. Don't you know who I am? Those phrases, they ought to put the word Agai or Haman right beside it. Because there are so many preachers and so forth that are like that. They, they go into places, they you know, want everybody to know how important they are. And they want to get first in line. They want to do this. or You know, that's, that's the Agai. That's the Haman attitude right there. Okay, Mordecai would not bow to him because this was the king. He was, you know, he was serving the king and he was, he was diligent to serve the king. And Haman could not take that to the king that the guy wouldn't bow because you're the king and you didn't issue a decree. He would have got rewarded. Beyond that, uh, Mordecai had saved the king's life and so on. So, you know, the story from there, I'm not going to go into that right now, but I wanted to point out something. We are right now told that we are not to bow down to the queen or to any leader of a nation. If you go to Revelation 18, 1 to 3, 4, it says, uh, 1 to 4, it uh, tells you in Revelation 18, we are to come out from Babylon. When you come out from Babylon, you're coming out to the kingdom of God. What that means is you are recognizing the Lord's commandment of what we are to do at this time in Joel 2, 1 to 20, or 12 to 20, and most importantly, Daniel 9, 24 which means we're to put an end to sin, we're to, we're to come out and anoint him, our, our Lord, as king. That is what we are to do at this time, not Daniel 9, 24. It says there, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make re reconciliation for iniquity, our sins, reconciliation for our sins, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision, and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Vision and prophecy means you understand the way of the seven spirits, and you understand the words that God is speaking. It's not just to get um, a prophetic word, but it's sealing up all the things God has said. In other words, he's made known all the times and stuff, and we're to grow and increase in knowledge so that we can seal up the prophecy that's most important, which is Numbers 14, where it says, Lord, would bring forth the people that would cause him to receive glory. And that's how we do it. And to give God glory means we allow him to write his words on our heart. And he, we, we listen to him. We get together and stir up love and good works like it says in Hebrews 10, 24 to 31. But the difference is when the Lord 
has made us cleansed, purified, and gives us, makes us white. Then at that time, makes us white means he's put his words in our heart. Then we will listen to the Lord. He will give us instruction of what to do and how to grow. And that was when we get refined and begin to put on the righteous acts of the saints. So we begin to shine because it's like putting the tabernacle of the Lord in you. The light comes in you. The spirit of truth is in you. You're purified. You first must be purified. How do you get purified? Spotless. You do that by being washed in the water of the word, setting yourself apart from the world into the words of God so that we can unlock these promises that are given in the Bible that they do. But to do that, we have to honor God. We have to put away sin. And one of the requirements is to make re reconciliation for iniquity, for sins. To make reconciliation means you honor God. We do not bow to a world leader at this time. You don't do it that way. Not for them to recognize their authority because they don't have it. The Bible says in Revelation 6, 1 to 2, that now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice loud like thunder, just like it was at the mountaintop, come and see. And I looked. And behold, a white horse. White is knowledge, truth. And we have to choose. Do we want a white garment or a dark garment? If we do not receive the white garment, if we don't purify ourselves and set ourselves apart from the world, we're not going to be riding this white horse. Because that's the spirit of God. The spirit of God is the first seal. I mean, the first spirit of God is the spirit of the Lord. In other words, you have to put the spirit of the Lord in you, which is you want to hear the words of God and do them. Jesus tells you every morning, Isaiah 54, he got a word from God, did not resist it. To speak to those who are weary, because the objective is to do righteousness works, righteous works constantly. That should be all over thinking. It says, and I looked and behold, a white horse who and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, people think, oh, he's going to destroy, he's going to destroy. No, you're going to overcome the world. Overcome the world by righteousness. Overcome the world by his words. The bow is in Isaiah 49. He tells us this. In Isaiah 49, 1 to 3, he says, Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He has made mention my name, of my name, and he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. This is the Lord is speaking of. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver, he has hidden me. And he said to me, you are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. See, you have to understand, talking about Israel in this regard, and you're talking about the Lord in this regard. Because he is Israel. See, the, you cannot be uh, of Israel, uh, of the kingdom of God. See, Israel means a vicarious governor of God. You cannot have and be a governor of God unless you have the way of righteousness. And it says that you have to have a polished shaft uh, in his quiver. That means a shaft of light. The shaft of light speaks truth. Shaft of light does all things in righteousness. It's a, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword, the word of God. If you speak it in righteousness and they reject it, it's effective and it'll do its work. If we speak it in haste or anger or hate, 
it's not going to do the work of God because we don't have the authority in this day when he's rising as a son of righteousness. Have to speak it in righteousness and then God will judge. See, vengeance belongs to God. It's when we speak it out there with good intent, the good news. Now, I hate the word gospel. It should never be used. The word Egulian is means good news, God's good news. The good news is the works of God that are enabled by his words. And we're going around calling it gospel, which has no rebel. I mean, it's, it doesn't even come close to what it really means. Good news. Jesus said only the Father is good. Only the works of God do good. So that, that's the news. We have access to those good works. And that's the good news we need to make known today. And when you say gospel, people have no clue what that really means. It's, it's like, oh, they think it's the Bible, the book. They just limit it to that. Gospel, oh, that's, that's the Bible. Those are scriptures in the Bible. That's all they think about. The good news is what the Bible's all about. It's the words that enable the good works of the Father. His words never come back to him void, Isaiah 55, 11. Now, what I'm pointing out here is something very fundamentally we have to catch this. The Lord is telling us from this time when the bow came. And you go to Daniel 9, 24, which we have to frame all this in because the purpose of the, the judgments is we're going to be judged by his words, John 12, 48. So any of the sealed judgments must be based upon the work that they are to do, which the work they are to do is John 12, 4, 8, cause us to be judged by his words. So I don't care if you're talking about the, the sealed judgments or the trumpet judgments or the bold judgments. They must be judged by his words. That's what the, it's all about. It's coming to the knowledge of truth. And he said, I desire all men to come, uh, be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. We have to complete this task that we have for this day of the Lord. And he's saying this is the very first thing. He give you the right to the bow. The very first thing he did is give you the bow. And then after you get the words, the second uh, judgment is that he gives the, uh, the second part of that, which is uh, the sword. See, it tells you in Revelation 6, 3 and 4, it says when he opened the second seal, which the second spirit of God is, is the spirit of wisdom, which is by the words of wisdom. He says, the Lord opened one of the, uh, the lamb, excuse me, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living preacher saying, come and see. And remember that it's the Lord who's opening these seals. Another horse, fiery red, went out. What is fiery red? The, the basic concept is that this is bright red. And it's the, the inheritance of God that gives the light, that gives us the ability to begin to shine. It says that went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to make peace, to take peace from the earth. And people should kill one another that there was given to him a great sword. Now, please understand, people, like it says, he's going to take the word away from the people. In other words, the famine of the word is coming, which is what happens in the third seal judgment. The famine of the word comes. And that famine, he's warning you. And the second seal judges, if you don't get these words of wisdom, which he's been crying out to people, get the words of wisdom, get the knowledge of truth, come to my word, but they will not do it. And the result of that is going to be exactly what's about to happen. He's going to be, the restrainer is going to be removed and these people are going to go crazy. They're going to kill one another. The Lord is saying that's the words of the wisdom. And when we rejected the words in, in the early 2000s and continue to reject them, this process has grown and grown and grown. And you can see in this day, 
terrible things are about to happen. Now, I didn't finish that, I don't think. Let me just stop there a second, go back to this. I, I said in there that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. In other words, the one who has the inheritance has the sword. What is the sword? It's the word of God. The spirit of the Lord is the word of God. And it tells you this in um, the... Uh, He's telling you that, that in the words of wisdom, you'll get the word. The sword, the word of God, will set apart the people. You know, it tells you to, that we're going to sanctify the people, which is get them to know the knowledge of truth. And God says he'll drive the northern armies far away from them. John 5, 24 says, if they will hear the voice of the Lord, which speaks the words, then what happens? He says they'll have eternal life and they'll pass through these judgments. So that's what he's offering to the people. They already have the crown, which is, he tells you eternal life, which if we receive the words, we have the right to eternal life. If we begin to want to know them, we get that crown of life right from the beginning. And then it's our job to hold on to it. It's our job to grow into words of wisdom and begin to use them to make people known their inheritance. If they reject the inheritance, which is the words of God, they judge themselves. People are judged by his words in this day. So, you, you know, you do it with righteousness. If they reject righteousness in this time when he's rising as the son of righteousness at the separation judgment, then that's why they're going to, he's telling you right there in that sign, the fact that he's rising as the son of righteousness and that's the time of the separation judgment, that means that's how they're being separated. If they reject righteousness, they'll be punished. That's the way it's going to be. Now, when he tells you that, he tells you in Revelation 18, 1 to 4, come out from following all these leaders. What I'm telling you is in Romans 13, where it says that we are to follow the, the leaders that are appointed by God, that ended the moment his words were open and that first seal was given. We are no longer to bow to the queen. If you bow to the king, the queen, you're doing something. Your judge, your king, your God has told you that he is reigning from this time and we're to come out from Babylon. If we bow to the queen, I don't care what it is, if we bow to the queen, uh, then we'd be better off to be put in a fiery furnace. Because what is the truth? You're going to be taken to heaven. You did the way of the words. You stood up for the glory of God. But if you bow to the king or bow to these presidents and stuff like that at this time, when they don't have authority to reign, you're violating the, the bow. You're violating the word of the bow. Because the bow is the words of God. You speak it with your tongue. It's like, you know, Elijah struck that one arrow and, and then he had him strike the arrows on the floor, for example. And that was to tell how long they would have uh, protection from their enemies and so on. Uh, he did that with that king and the king struck the arrows only three times and, and it was bad. He should have struck it more than that. But um, so they didn't overcome their enemy. And we have that opportunity right now. We have the bow. When you see these opportunities of if these kings, these queens, the Pope, for example, people bow to the Pope. He's of the crown trust families. He's working for the destruction of the earth. The obelisk that's in the center of the, uh, of the Vatican tells you he's not of God. The people that bow to, you know, lower themselves to Netanyahu and them. But look at their Supreme Court and see the obelisk in the garden of the Supreme Court and Israel and Jerusalem. Do not bow to them. Bring them knowledge of truth. Do not um, you know, don't you, you just don't bow to them. And if they if they are objectionable to that, explain why. And if they don't like that, well, you stood up for God. 
You just don't bow to them. If they, you know, hit you and force you on the ground, you didn't bow to them. But the thing about it is, is this is the time when you stand up. People that bow when these people want to kill them, unless they make them bow, don't do it. You're going to stand for God at this time because it's the bow has been given and you're standing for his word. And the Lord will save you from these things. And if he doesn't, he will deliver you into the, the paradise with a great reward. So please understand, this is the time of God at this time, and we're not the bow to the enemy. Now, let me, uh, saying that, let's go back and look at something that so you can understand this. In Genesis 33, where it's talking about Jacob, and he's coming back to uh, meet Esau, and he had been, um, you know, he met with him, wrestled with the Lord all night, and so forth. And he comes towards, uh, he crossed over the river and he comes towards um, uh, Esau. When it says that he crossed over, this is verse 3 of Genesis 33. It says, then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. This is really important. You have to understand he was doing something very special. He wasn't bowing down to his brother as the ruler or anything like that he was doing something else he had been given the name he you know that last night he had wrestled with the lord all night long and it wasn't esau's spirit that he was wrestling with he was wrestling with the lord to see that he wanted the inheritance of the kingdom and he gave him the name israel so you got jacob was the name of the one that was so zealous to get the word but his zeal was to get the uh kingdom he wanted to make sure that the kingdom of god came and so god gave him the name israel which is the vicarious governor of god because he earned that right by doing the work of jacob to overcome the world by good you know he didn't kill laban or any of those things he worked for it and he, he, he used the words to multiply the flocks and god blessed him because he actually did the physical work to get that done now it's very interesting what happens here is that he bows to the ground, which is, remember that the Lord had told him if he'd bring him back to here, okay, that he would be a great nation. Now, he's coming against the guy, his brother, who was coming to kill him. His brother hated him. But it's very interesting the way that the sages say this, because they, I think they don't get it quite right. Um, but their idea is that he bows seven down. Yeah, actually, in, in Hebrew it would be he prostrated himself all the way to the ground seven times. Why? And, and the reason is that God gave him a new name. And a new name was the kingdom that he was going to build there in that land. So he bowed on that earth seven times to enable the seven spirits of God and acknowledge the work that God had given by that name that he had just blessed him with. And he bowed that all the way to his brother till he came to him. He spaced it out to get seven times. Seven is the full measure of the seven spirits of God. And that was the promise of God is the name Israel, which is the curious governor of God, which means he's going to have that land that God had promised him. And they're going to uh, rule over it, not to, not to, to, to despise his brother, but to bring forth the kingdom that God wanted in that land. Where his brother had, had you know, ridiculed basically the, um, inheritance of the of the work of the kingdom of building the kingdom. He wanted everything his way, just like Haggai, uh, Haman wanted it all his way, wanted all the attention. 
I don't think Esau was that bad because Esau went on and built nations, but it was kind of like the, the way of this. Now, it's important to understand that Jacob did something very interesting here. When his family came, they bowed down once, each of them. It says, then the maidservants came near and their children and bowed down. And Leah also came near with her children and they bowed down. Afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near and they bowed down. See, they bowed down once to the earth. Why? The way the first spirit is, understand these people, Esau was coming to kill them. God caused the full measure of the seven spirits of the work that um, Jacob had to do in, in that time. He had that fulfilled. Later on, you'll see when they came into the promised land, they went around the city of Jericho, seven, you know, uh, one time each day and then seven times on the seventh day. And but it's kind of like what they're doing here. It's a similar kind of thing. The first spirit is to separate the light and darkness. And it was important for these people. Joseph, I mean, Jacob had the authority to call upon the word of God as a governor of God. He bowed down seven times, but his family bowed once. Not to Esau, but to the earth. And the reason is God put his word in that land. He had spoke that promise to Jacob uh, before he went away to Laban. He'd spoken it at uh, Lutz or Bethel, uh, they call it. So what I'm telling you is they acknowledged the first spirit of God, which then saved them. Because understand, there's a lot of debate goes uh, between Esau and Jacob that happens immediately after this. Because it says, then Esau said, what do you mean by all this company which I met? Uh, these are to find favor in their sight of my Lord. But Esau, um, I have said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, no, please. If I have found favor in your sight, then uh, receive my present from uh, my hand, inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God. Or he's saying the face of an angel. And you were pleased with me. See, the Lord caused Esau to change. And he came and he bowed and kissed him even. On, uh, it says that when he'd done that seven days, Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. See, God delivered this great miracle. This is a miracle that happened there. The changing of Esau's heart at that time to allow him to go. But understand, uh, Jacob knew the root of that heart. And remember where Esau was living. He was living in Seir. That's very important. Seir is an interesting thing. It, uh, it means, you know, the Seirites were known as the hairy guys or the bucks or the riders on the storm. Um, they were, you know, rough and bristly, it says, or shaggy. What he's talking about, you know, some say they're, they're uh, like the, the goat's hair. In other words, they couldn't count on them. You never knew which storm the devil would stir them up because they they were uh, the the Syrites became the Edomites in that area, the, the seer. So um, you can see the relationship here of the land that they're living in and the spirit of the place that they're staying is not anointed of God. It wasn't where God wanted to bring up his kingdom, but he had them moved away from them. But Jacob had to stay true to the work that God had given to him because he had a big secret. And that secret was what he was going to do because I believe what he learned from Rebecca. It's very interesting. It says this. It goes on uh, where he had said, take it and uh, um, please take my blessing as brought to me because God has dealt 
graciously with me and because I have enough. So he urged him and he took it. Then Esau said, let us take our journey. Let us go and I will go before you. But Jacob said to him very wisely, my Lord knows that the children are weak and the flocks and herds which are nursing are with me. And if the men should drive them hard one day, all the flock will die. And please let my Lord go on ahead before his servant. I will lead on slowly at a pace that which the livestock that go before me and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord and seer. And uh, now Esau said, now let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But Jacob said, what need is there? Let me find favor in, your, in the sight of my Lord. Trust me. Uh, so Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. And I've just told you what Seir is. And, um, you know, the Edomites displaced the original uh, Surites. And Edomites are problem people. Um, you see in this, the uh, uh, Jacob went on then. This is what's important. It says, and Jacob journeyed to Succoth, which means tents or tabernacles, build himself a house. And this is really interesting. Pay attention to this. And made booths, tents, for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Succoth. People believe that this was the time when they began to make tents for the animals. Why would you do that? Because the Lord seals his word in the night. And the animals would come to be under the tents in the night. So what is he saying? You know, the tent is the house. Lord, you want the word to rain upon him. We are in a time where it tells us in Romans that we are to be the earth, the whole earth and all the animals and everything else is waiting for the rise of this, the sons of God. And it tells you Zechariah uh, 14 in 16 to 21. It's telling us there that in this day we will come, all of us, and celebrate the a Feast of Tents because we're going to understand what it means to have the Word of God sealed in us, how important that is. You don't want any darkness entering in you. If you're in the presence of God in a house where you've sealed it with the Word, then you will not get this instruction of darkness. You won't hear from the bad spirits if your house has been, if you follow the way of the Lord. In other words, you teach his words in the evening with a pure heart to all those of your household. You've, you've put the words on your gate and on your doors. This is what's important about that because you block that spirit from entering. And then what you got to do have to be cleansed by the word and so forth. And you have to understand that what, he, what he's doing here is important because where did he learn this? You know, you remember Rebecca. Rebecca is a very interesting name. Rebecca is a name that's, you know, some say it's a rope with a noose. Uh, some say it's tied up. Uh, but uh, more specifically, it's secured. It's, a, it's something that is secured. Rebecca is an interesting woman. This is, remember, Jacob was a man who lived in the tents. Who was in the tent? His mother. Who, who was the one that heard the prophecy from the Lord about the two children in her stomach? And she fulfilled that prophecy, taking care of her children, taking care of her children. And remember what I've been teaching is the fact that the food that we have is to be used for good, to bring up good instruction within us. So you take care of those animals and you take care of the fields in the way the Lord has taught us. And we will be enlightened. In other words, the food can be used for good works and to bring forth good. We today 
are putting out what upon our children? We've not paid any attention to the way to build a house in the way of the Lord, the way it's required with the roof, with the, you know, uh, basically a, a flat roof with a slight angle to it. But uh, so uh, the water can flow rightly, but also you put a border around it so nobody falls off because the blood of those who fall off your, your roof is held accountable to you. You know, it's why he said, you know, uh, there's a lot of things deep in this I, I could keep going on. But when we fail to do these things, Jacob was planning the, the good thing to seal the word of God in the animals so that they would be guided. And when they are guided and they stir up the land, the land brings forth good crops. And also because you have them in a certain area, then you move into another area and that land over here becomes fertile. And then you you know you keep this going by the movement of the animals because the movement of the animals helps the land to grow. And we don't do that today. We use pesticides. We're we're too much in a hurry with the microwaves uh, to get this thing done, and we're, we're doing everything bad. But by doing that, we're not eating the food that gives wisdom to us. We're not doing it in the way of the words to get wisdom, and we become dumb. So dumb that we allow the government to do anything they want to us in 1948 when they formed the FDA for the purpose of destroying our nutritional value. Nobody said anything. When we've heard about it, learned about it, nobody says anything. And now what we got today is a bombshell Michael Adams brought out in Natural News. It says a bombshell CDC document admits that vaccines are deliberately formulated with African monkey kidney cells and even more frightening ingredients, including cells from humans. I've published a complete list sourced directly from the CDC's collection of vaccine ingredient disclosures. The list includes toxic metals, aluminum salts, bizarre animal cells from humans, and monkeys and cows and pigs and chickens and ingredients derived from GMOs, artificial coloring chemicals, uh, excitotoxins, and such as glutamate, chemical cleansing agents, Triton, Triton X100, dangerous bacterial strains, E. coli, tax, toxic chemicals such as uh, glutaraldehyde, uh, I can't even say these words, thermosol, uh, which is mercury, and much more. You know, they, they turned against me in part because I wanted to get rid of the mercury. I, there's a way to bring mercury out of things. They don't want that. They want to destroy people. So they don't want anything good for people. You can get the heavy metals out of the metal. The same technology that they're putting in front of these um, Missiles they're talking about that move the particles out of the out of the way. It'll move the particles, the toxic metals, right out of the food. But they won't allow that to come out. I want to build something like a microwave oven uh, that would take the particles out, metal particles. They could use it in grocery stores or whatever, uh, and just run it on a conveyor belt through that. The heavy particles would be gathered out of the food and it would be in there. They have the technology. They don't want you to have it because they're trying to put the stuff into the food to destroy your nutritional value, destroy your health, and reduce the age of the people because they want, uh, you know, in the future, they won't let people live more than 45 years. That's why the Queen, in, I think, in April or July 6, 2010, said, we'll know in 55 years from now uh, what they will say about what we're about to do because she said we must go forward and launch our plan, which is after. I mean, she had already been signed in 2008, given the ownership of all the seas and all that. So, yes, she goes to the U.N. and speaks this great speech. Terrible. You know, for example, God made food for good works. There's a really simple one we should all know. Exodus 27:20. It says, you will command the children of Israel and they shall take care of your uh, take care 
Now, they shall take for you clear olive oil, crushed for illumination, to light a lamp continuously. Do we understand? You know, we've made candles. We've made all these things. We've gotten away from what is necessary to help us. You know, the olive is sour, but it's crushed. If you look at what the words of God does at this time, Matthew 21, 43 to 44, it says, to whomever the word falls, it will crush them to powder. Why? It's because God wants to make us into refined wheat. You know, the fine white powder that's suitable for the king's table. That's the symbol, symbolism of it. He wants to wash us clean, make us white, and be able to, to be a service to the king. Instead, we're taking all this junk food and everything else that's killing us, and it's also making us dumber, and we, don't, we, we aren't able to work. We're, we're dying earlier. We're not able to fulfill the work of the kingdom that God has given us to do, which is the plan of the devil. So we're... All these things we're doing that we think are wise are totally unwise. If you want illumination, olive oil represents the knowledge of God. Psalms 119, 130 says the entrance of his words gives light, gives understanding to the simple. What did he say? Olive oil crushed gives illumination to light a lamp continuously. In other words, to keep us growing. If we have the words of God in us, Deuteronomy 11, 18, 21 says it will add years to our life. But we're not doing any of those things. You know, Rebecca was the one that said this to uh, Jacob that taught him about this. Because you see, he he benefited from his mother. His mother was the one that set him and took him before the father. God bless this woman. But look what he does. Her name means booths. Rebecca means booths. Tense. Uh, uh, you know, the meaning of the name uh, Rebecca it is, um, I mean, I'm sorry. Her name means tied up and secure. Uh, the place where um, Jacob went, he says, if Jacob journeyed to Succoth, which means tents, tents, tabernacles, or booths. In other words, the lean-tos that they put over top the animals so that they are covered by the word of God at night. When you do that for the animal, you're asking God to seal his word in them which means that they're going to be cared for. They're going to multiply. They're going to be blessed to bring forth good. And the food that is made from that or however it's used from them, whatever their work is for the kingdom is going to be done. That's why he did that that way. So, you know, it's putting the word of God over these animals. And that's why, you know, they say that he was the beginning of that. Well, why did he do it? That's what we're trying to discuss to you. And I'm saying he learned this from his mother. His mother was the one that guided him, understood the knowledge of doing these things. When he went away to Laban, he knew what to do to multiply the animals, to do these things, to put the stakes in place. He was talking to God. He lived with God. He knew the value of the inheritance, which is the right to the words of God that God pours out on those who are seeking him. I hope this is useful tonight. I pray that it's been interesting, and I pray that you will be able to understand how important it is for us. Because the Lord right now is telling us that he's calling us out of seer, calling us out away from the people like Esau that do not have any respect for the inheritance of God, nor the willingness to humble themselves before their enemy. The willingness to teach the way of the words for the enemy. He did good for them. He gave them blessings of animals that he had blessed. And he gave them good food to eat. If that food 
that they eat from those animals and so forth will bring a peace for a time with these people. Because remember, they, they lived in a place and they're known as a people of a storm. In other words, constantly rising up to cause trouble. And God hates that kind of attitude. They want to be, they want to be it, but they don't want to do the work to do it. And they don't want to obey God. They want to think their own way to rule and so forth. But they feel like they're entitled to something. And the Haggites, they want to act like, you know, they take it away from others because they feel like they want that position. They're jealous in a way. All right, Lord, we thank you. We pray, oh Lord, this is useful for people to understand your good. And I pray, Lord, they'll understand the importance of the bow. It's more than they know. And Lord, we know that we do not want to bow down to these kings or rulers at this time. We don't want to disrespect them. But dear Lord, we cannot disrespect you. Because, dear Lord, in, well, we are living in the time when we are required to anoint you as the Most High. You are the King. And like Mordecai, we can't bow to these other ones because they do not have the decree from you that allows them to rule at this time. Therefore, we cannot bow down to these people, Lord. I pray that the people understand it. You showed us this with the three men in the fire. Lord, that you will be with us. You said you'd drive the northern armies far away from us. In Joel 2, 12 to 20, we will do what you say. Lord, let the people grow in wisdom. Let them understand these times. And Father, I pray that every woman out there tonight, dear Lord, will understand. Dear Father, your, the greatness of Rebecca in that, dear Father, she made that soup, that, that uh, stew that Jacob needed to receive the blessing. She understood the great things of you. Lord, she was a wise woman. She prepared her son, and he understood many things. And because of that, he also made the booths. Dear Lewinta Sukkoth made the booths to secure these animals, which indicates just by her name and the works that she'd done all that time that she had prepared her sons. And dear Lord, we pray that women today will stand up and become like Proverbs 31 women who prepare their household. People, dear Lord, like... Um, Caleb's daughter, Oxa, dear God, who prepared her household so that when it was time, Othniel raised up as the judge over Israel, but she had prepared the way for him to be kept pure and her house to kept pure and the only one in Israel. Dear Lord, they were the only ones able to raise up and through you, by your wisdom and understanding, dear God, that you poured out on that house, we're able to deliver that nation. And dear Lord, we've come to that time where we need Women to understand the work that they have to do, that they, their the desire for their husband, their Lord, is it to be set the way so that they will receive the word and turn away from their evilness and turn away from the ways of the world and turn to good. And Lord, we pray that they will be genuine, dear Lord, and be brought into your kingdom and just totally, dear Lord, we thank you for the great ones in the Bible, dear God, that brought us to this point that we can see the things that she taught, dear Lord, we need to understand, dear Lord, so that we can help the earth and help all the animals and help everybody on it, dear God. And we have to set the door for that. We have to set the way. And we thank you for that, Lord, that you had such testimony in the scriptures. Oh, Father, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, we ask you to bless these people. Bless every woman, dear Lord, to understand the true way of a woman and not these Protestant, uh, not Protestant, but the protesting ways of women's rights, dear Lord, and how the abomination of these people wanting to kill their aborted babies and celebrating that and selling the tissues and using tissues and vaccinations to poison other ones. Dear Lord, a covering that we have is not truth. And dear Lord, we've allowed, instead of a tent of booth, we have tents of chemtrails and vaccines and medicines that are killing our children, killing us, 
and then we're acting like we're, we're somebody special. Dear Lord, please forgive us. Help us to see our sins, Lord, and come out from that. Help us to understand that even working in grocery stores, we're selling food that's killing people. Fast food restaurants and regular restaurants, we're selling food that's killing people. And we do not see this. Lord, help us to turn from that. And ask us all, dear Lord, to come to your kingdom where the food, dear Lord, you will cleanse it in us. There's ways to cleanse the food, dear God. There's ways to, to multiply it and have it bring forth because you promised it. Lord, help us to see and seek that. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Dear Lord, you said that many are anointed. Dear Lord, many are called. But few are chosen because, dear Lord, they won't obey the, the calling. Dear Lord, there's an anointing where they want them to be like angels. You want them to come to the word. Dear Lord, but they won't receive the word and will not listen. And they think they got it and they're so special because they're appointed wings. just like these ones that are casting out demons and so forth. But Lord, they're still lawless. If they don't come to your words, they don't have a right to the wings. And dear Lord, they'll lose them just like the evil ones lost theirs. Lord, you want to have them take up the wings and follow you. Lord, we pray that they will. Dear Lord, we pray that we become strong to follow you and obey you in all your ways. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 